Please stand clear of the doors. It is now time for the Four Parks Podcast. And here is your host, Josh Richter. Hey, hi, and hello to everyone. Thank you for joining me today on the Four Parks Podcast, the most magical podcast around. I am Josh. I'm a former Disney cast member and probably more obsessed with Disney than I should admit. But it's for that reason that I'm here giving you this podcast. If you are like me, which I imagine you are, you love Disney too. Now, for a little bit of housekeeping, as this is the first episode back in a while. Back in April, I unfortunately had some more medical issues I had to deal with. But I'm back. The podcast is back. I'm calling this a fresh start. We're calling it a new season. And we are opening up this season with one heck of an episode. His name is David Alpert. He's a Broadway fan, a Disney fan, and he combines both of those loves to host a dazzling podcast called E-Ticket to Broadway. He's also an award-winning theater director. So without further ado, my interview with David Alpert. First of all, David, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to speak with me. I really do appreciate it. Of course, I'm happy to be here. I always love talking about the Disney theme parks. Disney is something that means a great deal to me, and I'm going to guess means a great deal to you. It does, and and specifically Disneyland. It's the park that I grew up in, and it, it brings me joy and so much happiness. I love it. All right, so let's get right into it. So when did you first start to love Disney? And what is your earliest Disney memory? Those are great questions. I actually have a photo that's taped to my computer of my very first trip to Disneyland. And I was five months old. And my parents, I'm the youngest of three. And so my parents uh, brought us to Disneyland a lot, knowing that my dad went, you know, opening summer. My mom went in the 60s and then again for grad night. So loving Disney was just part of the genetic makeup of my life. So I never quite really noticed that that a love of Disney was an, uh, an additional thing. I just thought it was part of the culture. Um, one of my earliest memories is going to Disneyland. And I remember walking down Main Street and going to the Emporium. It was at night. My grandmother always used to get us a present. On my dad's side of the family, their tradition was always to go to Gibson Girl. So I just remember as a kid, going into the Emporium and being able to pick like a pencil or a placemat. Um, but because we went at probably once a year, maybe twice a year, it all kind of just blurs together and just, uh, you know, every time I look at photos of myself as a kid or school projects, I'm always mentioning Disneyland. I'm always wearing dopey. I'm always talking about theater. I haven't really changed much in 40 years. You know what? I love that because it means you've kept that to a degree childlike spirit that so many who love Disney embrace. Like one of the famous, I guess, adages with Disney is for the young and the young at heart. So there That's you go. Right. That's right. So from that start to today in 2022, what does Disney mean to you today? Well, it's 2023. Can you believe oh it? God, 2023. I Forgive know. Forgive me. We're doing great. It's okay. It's <laughs> great. Um, will you, will you start it? What does Disney mean to me today? Yes. Yeah. So, what I always, in starting a podcast as well, as, as you know how much fun and hard work that can be in talking more people, I kind of sense a common thread that Disney parks and Disney taps into that childlike joy, you know, that young at heart vibe. I always, every time we go to the park and we say we're going to go meet Mickey, we've already met him, but there's a chance to reconnect. And to me, Mickey means unconditional love. He's always going to be smiling when you see him. He's always going to give you a hug. He's never going to say anything mean or hurtful. He's just full of love. And I think as we get older and the weight of the world can hit us, Disney parks and Disney remain this beacon of optimism and hope and joy, which harkens back to Walt's opening day speech. And sure, people can get caught in the commercialism of it and the capitalistic nature of a big company. But if you actually look at what the company stands for, um, it does always feel like the hope of the company is to bring joy to the customer. And I can get behind that. And it really makes me happy. I'm, I'm fully behind it too. What is your favorite thing about the Disney parks? 
Oh my gosh. Uh, that's a great question. I don't know if I have an answer. I love the nostalgia. I love feeling connected to my family, to, you know, myself. It's, it's a safe place to be. I love the, everything from the thrill rides to the fireworks and the parades to the characters. Um, it does feel kind of like a time capsule of happy memories. And I think I also love, you know, some of the food and the shows. I, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to say one specific thing. <laughs> um, what would be one of your top tips for making the most out of a Disney vacation? Oh my gosh. Top tips are um, get an idea of the offerings ahead of time. Listen, when I go to Disneyland, there's there's no planning. I can I can do it, you know. When I go to Walt Disney World or the international parks, there's a little more of talking to people. What do you think I should do? Um, I think it's important to manage your expectations and to understand that it's not always about how many attractions you can experience. And I think many people you know, they'll judge their day based on, we went on so many rides. And listen, I did that all the time as a kid, but now I'm like, oh, I, I got to go walk down main street for an hour. And that was thrilling. So to think of it more as an experience, not how many rides can I get on? Right. Especially as some of these lines get longer and longer, that eats a big chunk of your day. So I would say do some research and go in with an open mind. I love that. I love that. So how did you come into podcasting what inspired you to start podcasting that's a that's a funny question i never thought i would ever have a podcast um i am a theater director based in new york city i've been here almost 16 years and three years ago when the pandemic hit i found myself uh without you know two shows were canceled a lot of things were canceled i ended up you know our whole industry shut down and I knew I had to do something and that kind of bounced around some ideas and the idea of a podcast came up and I'm not one that really listens to podcasts that often. And my point of view was, well, no one wants to hear me speak. I don't have anything to add to the world. And, but I found during that time there was a need for joy and happiness. And I consulted with my friend Cheryl and, you know, I thought about doing something about philanthropy and how to change the world. But at the end of the day, to know me is to know that I love Disneyland. So I combined my two worlds and from Disneyland and Broadway, I thought there's a connection there. And when I used to work for BroadwayCon, I was like, I know what fandom is like. So the idea became, what if I interview my fancy Broadway stars about their love of the Disney theme parks. It's super niche. And within the first few weeks, it started to really gain traction. And I think it's not just that we all love, you know, the Disney parks, but in that time, there was just a sense that while the theater industry was shut down and the Disney parks were shut down, here was a chance to kind of hear from both parties and right. not talk about the state of the world and not talk about process or academic things. It was just to say, Hey, we all love this. Let's remember the the happy times. So that's how I got into podcasting. And, you know, three years later and 110,000 downloads later and over 50 episodes and it's become a thing. It's now I'm a, it's a, a podcaster. I, that's incredible. I remember when I discovered your podcast, E-Ticket to Broadway, if uh, we haven't mentioned it yet. I also love Broadway. I've loved Broadway my entire oh. life, and I love Disney my whole life. So when I discovered oh. your podcast, at the risk of sounding like a fan for a minute, but it's hard not to because I am, admittedly, it was a crossover, like you said, of two loves, my love of Disney, my love of Broadway. So I love that you have this podcast out. I love why you put it out in the middle of the pandemic. And... I am very glad that you do have this podcast. So Both. coming from your background as a theater director and also a podcaster, what have you learned from Disney that you take into those two avenues in your life? Well, first off, thank you for being a fan of the podcast. That means a lot. It's really, as I, I said on the, the rope drop overture, this is about bringing joy to the listener. You know, without the listeners, without the, the fans of the podcast, I'm just a guy speaking into a mic, 
you know, so to make it happen, it's the same thing in theater. We need that audience. So I really love that you love it. That means a lot. Um, you know, what we talk a lot about on the podcast and for all of us is oftentimes Disney and specifically the parks are our entryway into musical theater and a stage show. Whether it's seeing Disney on Ice or seeing the local production of Beauty and the Beast, it's family-friendly kid entertainment. And when you do go to the parks, you sit down and watch a show. You know, for me, I remember Fantasmic. I remember watching Snow White Live, which was a Radio City Music Hall show. I remember watching Hi-Ho, which was, I, I believe, at Disneyland. Um, and that's where I kind of learned about shows, in addition to my parents being, you know, big theater enthusiasts and listening to show tunes. I think what we take a lot from Disney entertainment into theater is the idea of protagonists and really rooting for them. We learn about, um, specifically with musicals, how to make a great song. I mean, that Disney renaissance with Howard Ashman and Alan Menken and Steven Schwartz, you know, those are great songwriters that have, it's such an emotional feel. Um, but oftentimes when I'm directing a show, I will use Disney imagery to inform my actors and designers because it's a clear snapshot. So right. if I'm directing, which I did a few years ago, a musical around the stories of Edgar Allan Poe, there was a moment I said, I want this to almost feel like the Haunted Mansion hallway. And everyone's like, we get it. We know what that means. Or I, I love that. You know, or anytime I need an actor to, to really process something, I'll say, Think about Aurora almost touching the spinning wheel. You know, it's just there are certain images from the Disney movies that are common vocabulary. So to go on a dark ride, which is, you know, you're seated, you're being told where to look. There's music, there's sound, there's lighting, there's characters. And what the Imagineers do so well often is they have to capture a moment, you know, these animatronics might get to speak one or two lines to us, but it's a lot about positioning of characters. I mean, there's so much dramaturgical relevance of a dark ride that when I direct a show, there's so many times where I'm like, oh yes, this is definitely stolen from, you know, Snow White's right. scary adventure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or the storytelling be behind Pirates or Haunted Mansion. It's, it's so story-based. And I think, you know, the Disney parks are highly successful. If we can take a cue from that, and bring it into, you know, creating work for the stage. I think it's a win. Do you have a favorite Disney song? I mean, how much time do we have? Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. God, I love so many. I I love Zero to Hero and A Star is Born from Hercules. Those are great David, songs. I knew you and I, we were uh, in a similar interest. Yes, that's right. Hercules um, is my all-time favorite. So I just introduced my nibblings to that a couple weeks ago and I was listening to the score and I was like, what a great score. Um, of course, it, it's already kind of come up, but I love Dopey's my favorite character. And so you can't go wrong with Hi-Ho or the Silly Song. Um, but truly, I mean, like there's some movies where the score didn't quite impact me, but for so many others, I mean, I'm thrilled to listen to a Disney playlist wherever I go. We both love Disney so much. I know for myself, um, <laughs> Disney impacted me in so many ways. I mean, Disney is part of the reason why I met my wife, for that matter. And getting back to its, I guess, stage and theatrical presence, it's interesting that you mentioned, like, I guess, all the theatricality amongst the Disney parks because it's something that Walt wanted to work on that you did not notice, but it was always there. Like, for example, uh, the volume level going from, say, Adventureland to Fantasyland or Frontierland, like as you're walking across the different lands, you just are there. There's no hard, okay, I'm in A, now I'm in B. And I think a lot of that has to do with the immersion and the theatricality that takes place in the parks and from the Imagineers, like you said. Of course. You know, Disney or Walt Disney once said, Disneyland is a show. We call them cast members. You know, it's all that theming. As human beings, and this is going to get a little deep, we love being told stories. I mean, whether it's, 
you know, in kindergarten and preschool and throughout school or many religions are story-based or the Disney parks, movies, TV, it's all about being told a story. And whether we're, you know, literally talking about getting from Adventureland back to Main Street or watching, you know, Richard III, it's, it's a story that we need to immerse the audience in. And that's what I love about Disneyland. I remember as a kid, my mom would say I would turn around on the dark rides. And I did. I still do. I, I say, I look back and I say, okay, there's the lighting. And to me, that is similar to when I'm directing a show and I make sure that the audience can't see backstage, right? Or I, I want to make sure that in a transition, we're looking at the right thing. Right. And it's cool to me. I mean, like to me, people will say, well, you know, when you see the backstage area of Disneyland or when you know it's someone in a costume, doesn't it ruin the magic? And I say, that is the magic. Yes. To me, the fact that there might be someone that is very close to Mickey Mouse that might not actually be Mickey Mouse, but that person and me, we are creating magic together. Yes. Right? And my friends will say, well, you know, it's someone in a costume. It's like, yes. And that's what's magical. Yeah. You know, that we are all doing this together. And in a world of crazy things and people trying to take away rights of others, it's like, come on, let's find magic where we can. But to yeah. me, being on Pirates and, you know, looking back and seeing the lighting and, and the way everything's set up. Lighting, the smell the as well. Smell, the pirate water, the smell. To me, but, when I see that, I think, wow, someone is really caring about my experience. And they're creating yeah. this for my joy. How lucky, how lucky we are to go to a Disney park. You know, as you mentioned, uh, the feeling of meeting Mickey. <laughs> yes, it is another human being in a costume. But in that moment, <laughs> that fades away. You're yeah. meeting Mickey Mouse. It, it, it can be the most famous celebrity in the world in that costume, but... That doesn't matter. You're meeting Mickey Mouse. And there yeah. is only one and Mickey I, Mouse. Sir. That's right. That's right. When I worked at Disneyland, that was a big part of our training, you know. Yeah, Mickey might be in Fantasmic, might be Mickey might be in Toontown. He might be in the parade, but there is one Mickey Mouse. And, you know, of course we were all like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end of our training yeah. and traditions, <laughs> you know, Mick, Mickey appears to give us our name tag and we all lost yep. it. We were like, It's Mickey Mouse, how exciting. And but I this past August I got to go with my family to Disneyland and it was my three nibblings their first time and watching them meet Mickey was once again it was like yep this is all this is correct that's this it. is what's right that's what's right in the world you know that I love that, they, uh, that also uh I'm sorry you you mentioned you worked at Disneyland you're a former cast member mm -hmm. perfect in my dopey mug I was I um <laughs> oh you're good you're good uh I always loved Disneyland a lot. Um, can haven't really changed too much. And we were in the parks December of 2004. And my older sister, Gilana, they had some kiosks in the parks. I remember walking under the train tracks on, you know, the right side. And there was a kiosk of like, we're looking for lots of cast members. Because for the 50th anniversary, it was pretty much their first all year big celebration. They had done some things, but... This was the big one. So I remember just like, you know, putting in my name and my sister, Dylan, I was like, you should do this. And I was like, haha, LOL, you know. Right. I was a college student in Michigan. I The thought of flying across the country and living. Uh, and so then I went for an interview and my Strillies encouraged me as well. And they gave me a job on the spot. They were like, Tomorrowland Attractions. And I was like, wow, I'm going to work in Tomorrowland Attractions. And I said, please. Star Tours or Space Mountain, please, anything but the Autopia. I don't want to be in the Autopia. And I show up for training and I was assigned the Autopia. Sure um, enough. <laughs> which was cool. It's an original, uh, you know, opening day attraction and super popular. And so I, I worked there that summer, 2005, and the Autopia ended up being a great experience. There's so many cast members on the ride. Um, it's really fun when a kid is tall enough to finally drive. Um, but I also did a lot of guest control. So I got to work the parades and fireworks. And on July 17th, 2005, I got to be at Castlefront and working the parades. And it was really cool that day. So it was a great experience. I loved it. I actually did the college program as well myself. 
2019. What were you assigned? What were you assigned to? So originally I worked in merchandise. I worked Main Street, uh, the Emporium for like a week. Then I got moved to Pop Century, Everything Pop, the merchandise store there. Then I got totally recast and I became a cedar working at 1900 Park Fair. Cool. Uh, the character dining at the Grand Floridian. Cool. So I got to have a lot of unique experiences. So as you say, uh, working with a lot of different guests and just that feeling of wearing that name tag, you can't replicate it. And there's no feeling like it unless you do it. And I know that to a degree sounds cliche, but I, I don't know how else to put it or to articulate it. When you're dealing with people that truly want joy and your job is to do that, there's just something really cool about it. Yeah. You know, I feel the same way when I'm, you know, working on a show in rehearsal and, and everyone wants the same thing and, and we have to remember that, but there's this, I mean, yeah, people can be unfortunate and, and narrow minded and egocentric, but when you just kind of all surrender to this idea, it's it's cliche, but it's magical. It's yep. really wonderful. 100%. For every guest or individual that you encounter that might be egocentric and such, like you said, <laughs> is, which I love that description, there's the following guest you'll interact with who is just so immersed in the story and just the magic of, of Disney. So getting back to talking about the Eat Ticket to Broadway podcast, how do you prepare for an episode of, of the podcasts? Yeah. Um, it depends on the person. So, you know, when it first started, I was going to do 10 episodes and they were friends of mine. And, you know, I would script it out. I knew what's what's funny is like I, I can't do a creative project without really doing a creative project. So, you know, I worked with a composer and and actors that do voiceovers and I, I wanted to create a production. So if you listen to my podcast, you'll hear like, an overture and you're going to hear musical cues and an intermission and a finale and I picked and, up on it immediately. Yeah, it's pretty theatrical. <laughs> so how I prepare is I, you know, I'll try and, um, I'll try and look at someone's Instagram that I've booked or, you know, slightly text with them in advance to get some general questions. But often I'm going into a blind, the beginning of the episodes will always be me asking questions like this, you know, like your first visits, favorite movies, favorite characters. And finding conversation starters from that, but allowing the guests to really speak about how Disney affects them. And then, you know, some some fun. And then the second part of the episodes are always games, which are fun. Um, And I will try and create a game based on that performer and, and try and make it very specific to them because the goal is to make it super fun for the listeners and super silly and, um, joyful again. So, I prepare by writing the script, but then once I'm in it, you know, I will have to sometimes pivot things just um, if something's not working or if someone really, really wants to keep talking about a specific subject, you know, I'll, I'll pivot in the spot. Right, but, just let um, it breathe. Yeah, let it go. Let it go. No, pun intended. <laughs> but hey, what the heck? <laughs> there you go. So podcasting has afforded you the opportunity to speak to some amazing people. Susan Egan, Idina Menzel, Jody Benson, just to name a few. What's the best lesson you have learned along your podcasting journey of speaking with these magical individuals? It's a great question. I really learned that I can give them the freedom to speak, that I can let go of some of the control, which is tough as a theater director, um, that oftentimes I will want to kind of lift them, but sometimes if I don't respond right away, they'll actually keep sharing more and it gets more intimate. I've learned a lot from that to just really give them the microphone and and even in editing it, as I'm sure Josh, you've realized this too, when you listen to like kind of your first few episodes, you were like, wow, I, I was I was still trying to find my voice. Yep, um, 100%. And now when I go back and I'm like, oh, it's way more laid back. And when I edit it, I, I take out more of me saying stuff i'm like no one wants to hear me so i've learned that but but you bring up like jody benson was just such an amazing interview because it's jody benson you know right 
anything, I mean, I was a big fan of Crazy for You. And then of course, Little Mermaid. And of course, her version of Smile, you know, by Barbara and Hamlish about her, uh, her, the song is Disneyland from the musical Smile, right, right. which is my favorite. So there's a lot of great stuff to talk about. Susan and Adina, you know, I've met Adina, I'm very close with. And for them, it was, it was much more fun. I mean, Adina's episode was so much fun for it because she and I have never really talked in depth about the Disney parks. Um, so it was really great to hear from her, but it's always just a lot of fun. And, you know, I got to speak with Jonathan Freeman, you know, the voice of Jafar and Broadway star. And, you know, as an audio podcast, hearing their voice speaking to you, I was like, this is Ariel talking to me. Yeah, <laughs> Like that's pretty cool. So, but I learned a lot from them and, and, um, it's in editing. It's always nice. I find myself when I'm editing an episode, I'll start to smile and I'll think like, this is really going to be great. I, I can already tell uh, before I even get to the editing booth, so to speak, I'm going to enjoy editing our interview. So I'm oh, looking good. forward to that. <laughs> great. Who is someone, David, that you would like the opportunity to interview that you have not? Julie Andrews. I would love Julie. If you're listening, um, definitely Julie Andrews. <laughs> I would so, I mean, like in, in the magical homosexual agenda of it all, Adina Menzel introduced me to Julie Andrews. It was one of the most exciting moments of my life. And, you know, I was like, this is, <laughs> this is amazing. You know, we got to exchange a few words, but because she is so iconic in both the Disney world and Broadway, I mean, I felt that way with Adina too, that, but Julie Andrews would just be a dream interview i've never had someone on the podcast who they specifically knew walt disney i just had ali mozzie on whose grandparents knew what uh, lived in anaheim and but i think it'd be amazing someone on the podcast who knew these creators right and that would be thrilling so if anyone can make that happen please I, do i wish i had that power for you david believe yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> you know, getting back quick to, I guess, the theatricality and the showmanship of the Disney parks, I was just thinking, like, one of my favorite attractions at Walt Disney World is Carousel of Progress. Sure. I mean, I love the song. I, I can sit in that theater for hours. Often after the end of the 20-minute attraction... <laughs> I often find myself just sitting still in the chair. I haven't got up. I'm always the last to leave the theater of that, I guess, run. I love it so much. And I think about something you said earlier, like that it's the animatronics and everything. And yes, it is the animatronics. Yes, the people who are in the next theater of me are going to see the same thing. But for that, for your five-minute segment, I'm lost in the immersion of of it. What is an attraction that has that same kind of impact on you? Well, going back to Carousel of Progress, would you believe that last year was the first time I ever went on Carousel of Progress? I had never because I'm not a I'm I'm so West Coast. I what's funny is I'd been to Disney World twice in my life once in 2012, once briefly in 2016. And then last summer I ended up going for like two different trips in the middle of the summer. Okay. Um, and finally experienced that. And it was, it was great to experience. I'm so glad you have that experience of enjoying it. I'm trying to think of an attraction where I get totally lost in, um, because they're also familiar to me. And what I said earlier about always looking to see, you know, where the strings are. Right. I'm not sure if I can get lost in experience. Like, I, I don't know if I can get lost in that anymore. You know, I my mind went to Indiana Jones Adventure, um, which is always great. But I, I honestly think one of the most recent experiences was Cosmic Rewind in Epcot. There was something about, even though I was so focused on how do they do that, what do they do, I, it was so interesting to me to go on a, a, a new Disney attraction that I had never right. been on. But I would say I still, I, I don't know if I ever get lost in it because I'm so impressed and aware of it. Um, right. Even when I went on Rise for the first time, 
I was looking. I would, you know what? That's not fair. I think I think when I went on Rise for the first time, I would say I got lost in it. Okay. I think there's my answer. You know, very quickly, I was dissecting it. I was saying what I liked, what I would want to improve on. But I think there were definitely moments of that ride where I was so taken by the enormity of the attraction that uh, I got lost in it. Which ride, Disneyland or, or Walt Disney World, do you think has the best immersion like from the and theming from the minute you step into the queue to the minute you step off the ride? Haunted Mansion, for sure. There's something about Haunted Mansion that... Because it's, it is a feeling. I mean, like, take away Big Thunder and Space Mountain. I think Space Mountain does a great job, specifically land. I don't know what's happening in Florida on Space Mountain. I thought I was going to die. It is so rickety. <laughs> Everyone's like, it felt like a carnival ride because Disneyland is so smooth and the the music. And, anyway, but I think with a lot of the more, you know, roller co- roller coaster type attractions, the feeling is just I'm going to go on that. But Haunted Mansion... And even more so than pirates, there's a feeling that they're giving you from just looking at the mansion, which looks beautiful, and the gravestones and the cast members' costumes, to when you step in before you're loaded into the elevator, which is me, the stretching room, forgive me, <laughs> that yep. they've really <laughs> done a good job. And then just the hallway that I mentioned, and then the doom buggy, and I think they do a really successful job in that sense. I love it. I've I've never been to Disneyland yet. That's Josh. Be, Josh. I know. I know. That's going to be rectified, though, God willing, in January. I was supposed to in September. Unfortunately, okay. I got sick, but we're going in yeah. January. So my, myself and my what's wife. Great about, I mean. What's great about Disneyland, and when people, many, many, many people reach out to me and they'll say, what should we do with the parks? And I was like, okay, first of all, I'm, I, I can't plan your park. All I say is if you're going to Disneyland for the first time, pay attention to the history. Go for go for that. But that is Walt's Park. Take time to do your research and figure out the Walt of it all and the, I, the OG. I can't wait to walk <laughs> where Walt walked. Like that, yeah. that I'm sure is going to be a moment that I'm going to have like, wow. You know, uh, we're actually going, my wife and I, for the 5K there since they're bringing okay. back Run Disney. So that's going to be yeah. a lot of fun. So I think I think Run Disney will be the only thing that can motivate me to run specifically because it's called the Dopey Challenge. You know, like you that's the one. Nope. <laughs> it's strange. It's like the one dopey thing out there. I'm like, eh, that's not really for <laughs> me, but but I wish you all the best with it. I think, but again, I, th- I think if I'm ever going to run a marathon, it's of course going to be at a Disney park. That's, I said the same thing when uh, my wife and I first started talking. I always wanted to do run Disney. It always looks so much fun. She's actually an avid runner. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, she got me to do a 5K and I love the experience. And yeah. then a year later, we did another one. So, and now we're signed up for a third. Something happened. I'm pretty sure I can blame it on the Disney magic, but hey, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was like, well, I kind of technically already run through the Disney park. So, you know, it's like if you have a, if you have a fast pass or now a lightning lane and you're like, I can, I can get on one other attraction before we already do it. We already do the running. Yep. Yep. There, there's no walking or exercise like you do at Disney. Like I know, you'll I know. go to like, Disney and then I can look on my Apple Watch. Oh my God, I did like 14 yeah. miles. Yes, exactly. And it feels like nothing. And then you go home yeah. and you're like, I don't want to do 14 miles. I know. Let alone four. <laughs> you know? I will say though, living, living in New York City and then going to like, the fact that my favorite thing is Disneyland, it's like I never get a vacation from walking a lot. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. All right, so... Last question before you play a little game. What is, we talked at the top, was your earliest Disney memory. What is your favorite Disney memory? What is a story of it? Okay, I've got a couple. Um, one is definitely turning 33 to the minute at Club 33. That was so amazing and fun. Uh, I am um, another experience Club 33. But I, I still can't <laughs> believe it. That's my, that's my bucket list if I ever make it big. 
I always say like, you know, some people buy yachts or country homes. I want to get a, a Club 33 membership. Yeah. Um, the one was the first time I went with my sisters on a, uh, unaccompanied. We were, I was, I was in seventh grade and they were in early high school, mid high school. But I just remember going just the three of us without our parents. That was a really, really fun trip that I'll cherish forever. Definitely last summer I went to Walt Disney World with Adina and we got to meet Elsa and Anna and that was just surreal and silly and fun and I'll never forget that. But um, there's so many trips where there's like just really fun moments, but those three really stick out to me. I love those stories. And going to meet Elsa and Anna with Elsa herself, I'm sure must have been an experience. It was really funny. It was it was great. We um we laughed a lot and it was very sweet and um Elsa and Anna were so wonderful and stayed in character and were kind and it was so very sweet. Again, it was that Disney magic where everyone knew yep. what was going on, but we all, you know, agreed to play the same game. And it was yeah. really lovely and it was really special. David, I think that's that's the sole word for it. It's special. It's special. So yeah. I have a little game for you to play. It's similar okay. to your game of Tweedledee or Tweedledum. Okay, I call it Disney or that. What do you call I, it? Say it again. Disney this or that. Great. Perfect. So yours is a little bit, your title, a little bit more creative. I need to work on it. It's okay. <laughs> so very much. You could do, you know, you could do like pain or it could be pain or panic. I'm trying to think of other good Disney duos. Um, Cause you love Hercules, pain and panic. What are other good, like Mushu and Cricket? <laughs> that would be more confusing. All right, so you and I are definitely going to have a think tank another day, and we're going yeah, yeah, to sure. work on this. Yeah. So I'm giving you two options. You choose your favorite. Sound good? Okay. Yep. Awesome. Mickey or Minnie? Mickey. Donald or Daisy? Oh, good question. I want to say Donald, but Daisy's so sassy and great. Let's go with Daisy on this one. Okay. Even though I really want to give Donald, I really want to give Donald a hug and be like, I get it. You're frustrated. Let's work through this. <laughs> you know, it's, as you just say, Donald is frustrated. I've been recently playing a game called Disney Dreamlight Valley. It came out. Oh, a yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm hooked on it immediately. So is my wife. We we both have many hours since that game at this <laughs> point. Uh, we unlocked Donald and one of his, I guess, notable characteristics <laughs> in the game is he's always throwing some kind of a temper tantrum. Yeah. So uh, him being frustrated, I understand it. It translated yeah. into the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, Goofy or Pluto? Oh, goodness. I'm going to say Pluto on this one. Goofy's great too, but Pluto's so loyal and, and kind and really fights for Mickey, and I, I think Pluto's great. Awesome. Woody or Buzz? Woody. There's something about Woody that just... And I think we all can relate to the idea of like feeling replaced or feeling not loved anymore. Um, it's really dark for the a Disney podcast. I apologize. <laughs> no, but it, there's it, something there's just something nice about Woody, and Woody always wants to do the right thing. You know? Yeah. So I'm gonna go with Woody on that. Okay. Space also, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Come on. True. I mean, Tom Hanks. You you can't go wrong. Tim Allen, of course, has Buzz. It's can't go wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Space Mountain or Splash Mountain? Space Mountain. I love Space Mountain so much. Of obviously the Disneyland version. The Disneyland version. And then I, I share this sometimes. Space Mountain at Disneyland was uh renovated in two thousand five. It reopened um the fiftieth anniversary summer. And the way that they test attractions are they do a really great job with safety, but it's basically sandbags to cast members to guests. Right. And so we got a cast preview and it was amazing. But because I worked in Tomorrowland, I would clock in for my shift and they would say, we're fine. The space needs more people to be testing the ride, so go. So over the course of two days, I, I rode Space Mountain 17 times. Holy so by the, it was, because um, we would come back into the station and they're like, uh, can you guys go again? We were like, yep. And can you get off the ride and we want to try loading again? And I was getting paid to test Space Mountain. It was amazing. But the this that ride is- wow. <laughs> is the way that the music and the original Dick Dale version was was great, but this new track really matches everything. And um, you know, no disrespect to Walt Disney World, I know people love that because of the nostalgia. But just as a attraction, that Disneyland one is. I think a plus. 
Space Mountain in Disneyland is one of the attractions I cannot wait to experience both. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Tower of Terror or Rock and Roller Coaster? Or I guess... <laughs> no, 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 I can answer this. You mentioned Breakout. No, no, no. I will definitely answer your original question. Okay. I can't... I cannot do Tower of Terror anymore. It... it I remember, uh, you know, the time that I went on it and the screams were not happy screams. I was actually scared. I don't like the anxiety of it. Rock and Roller Coaster... I went on it twice last summer. I love it. It's so fun. I definitely scream, but it's a blast. Yeah. So definitely I'm, that one. I'm the same way. I hate <laughs> Tower of Terror yeah. so much. A lot of my friends uh, give me a hard time <laughs> about it to the point oh, a while ago I hosted another show and one of my dearest friends, who was my co-host at the time, she started a hashtag Josh Rides Tower. Just to get me to, it was a hashtag Josh Ride Tower. Oh, (laughs) just to get me to ride the damn thing. I've ridden it three times. I'm good. I when it was in Disneyland when it was rethemed, I was like, okay, I need to go on this to try it. And but now my friends that I go with, they love it. And I'm like, I'll meet you later. They all understand. It's just, and I don't want to take their joy away, but I, it's the anxiety of when the drops happen and the length of it that I can handle. I can handle Incredicoaster. I can right. handle Rock and Roller Coaster. I know when it's coming. I can brace myself. Even Everest, which I will tell you, Expedition Everest, incredible. There is a reason that you don't go on that ride back to back because it takes so much out of you. And when I was there in the summer, we were very lucky that we we got to basically skip the line. And then they were like, do you want to do it again? And we're like, sure. Do not do that. Your body needs time to reset. <laughs> so on that second journey, and especially afterwards, I was like, I might throw up. It was just, it was too much because it's such an intense ride, but a, a wonderful one. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. I am, I would bet my entire podcast and computer, I know this answer. Okay. Haunted Mansion or Pirates? That is a great question. I'm curious what you think I'm going to say. Am I about to lose my computer here and my podcast? Well, here's the, the quick answer is like, the quick answer is like, I don't, I don't have the answer. Um, really? Yeah. I love them both for very different ways. For Anna Mansion, the theming, the imagination behind it. Um, but I still sometimes struggle with the total shift of um, storytelling, how it switches from spooky to kind of silly. Right. Um, the spooky, the macabre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Pirates, which... I love so much the fact that it's a flume ride, the fact that, you know, it's so impressive, you know, sometimes just the way it is, you get stuck. So it's like, I don't, I don't have an answer. I love them both. Well, all right, guys, what did you, what did you think I was going to say? Pirates? Honestly. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. It's a great ride. Oh, again, in that case, forgive me for being presumptuous. No, no, no. I didn't even say like, like Elsa or Dopey when I've been like, eh, it's Dopey. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> Test Track or Soren? Soren. Uh, I love Soren. Test Track's fun, um, but Soren all the way. Especially, it's unpopular, especially in Disneyland. I prefer Soren over the world. Really? You know, like, because, okay, Soren, I will die on the sale. Soren over California. Beautiful, love it. I love the ride. I don't like that it ends at Disneyland during Christmas time as a Jew. I don't like that. And what's great about Soaring Over the World is you see the Matterhorn. You see Disneyland as Walt created it in a way. Um, I just think it's more fun. But again, I, just that's one of my favorite rides. And, and my mom I, loves it too. It's a I blast. can't wait to experience it. But also, Soaring is one of my favorite scores in all of the Disney yes, parks. it's beautiful. Next question I have is going to be the monorail or the ferry to Magic Kingdom. The I mean, monorail. It's got to be the monorail because, oh, well, first of all, your shirt makes me want to say yeah. the monorail. You're wearing a wonderful <laughs> monorail shirt. Um, but again, just because I'm so Disneyland-based, um, you know, wait till you go to Disneyland. You're like, how do I get to the Magic Kingdom? They're like, you park and then you walk. Like... <laughs> There is a tram, but we don't get a magical boat. We don't get, you know, a skyway. We don't get any of that. It's just like you can either walk or get on a tram and then walk some more. Like it's, we walk. When 
my wife went to Disneyland in September when I was supposed to go. Yeah. And she, I'm talking with her. We're FaceTiming at the time. And she's like, oh, I'm going to go over to Disneyland, California. Oh, I'm going to go back to Disneyland. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how? Like, they're still close. How? Like, yeah. I couldn't, as as a whole Disney World no. guy, I couldn't process it. So I'm excited to experience think, it. Think about when I went to Disney World for the first time. And I was okay. like, they're like, you want to go to, you know, Animal Kingdom? I was like, yeah. They're like, okay, we can take this to that. When I went <laughs> with my friend this summer, she, um, we were able to drive it in, in uh, um, I forgot what it's called, preferred parking perhaps. And even then I was like, if you didn't have preferred parking, how would we do this? So bless you all in Florida for, for dealing with those transportation issues. <laughs> all right. Mickey pretzel or Mickey ice cream bar? Okay. This is tough. I love the Mickey Mouse ice cream sandwich. Okay. If, the, if it was ice cream sandwich, I'd go there. I would say between the bar and the pretzel, I'm going to go with the pretzel. I don't know why I don't like the bar so much. Well, maybe I do. Wait, I'm going to go with the ice cream bar. Okay. I'm sure I'm sure your listeners are thrilled as I try to <laughs> determine that answer. Would you rather never eat Disney popcorn again or never eat a Mickey pretzel again? Popcorn, because I don't eat the popcorn there. I do. I don't hate it. I... I oh. I always find it so funny and charming when people are like, I love Disneyland popcorn or I love churros or, or I was like, you can get that other places, but they always say it tastes better at Disneyland. It's like, okay. It, it does. I, sure. I, it does. I support I it. All right. Would you rather rope drop or kiss goodnight? That's a great question. The, the answer is both, but if, if I have to choose, I'm going to say kiss goodnight because um, rope drop is early for me. <laughs> like I, I, I mean, the only time I love waking up early is at Disney, but at the end of the night, usually it's less crowded. There's definitely less children. It's just so peaceful at night. It's so nice. All right. So kiss goodnight. Yep. Okay. Hero or villain? Hero. No I don't question. know. Like, yeah, no question. I don't, I love the villains. Most of them. Um, Your favorite villain. My favorite villain I mean, for nostalgia, it's the evil queen from Snow White. The, I She might actually be my favorite villain. I mean, I like Hades a lot too, but um, what I love about the the queen in Snow White and as much as I love the movie, that movie is hers. She is the instigator. She's the one that pushes it forward. Unlike Belle, who makes choices that alter the plot, Snow White is reactionary. She has to run away from the castle and then she has to find a place to live and she goes there. But she is a badass she goes after what she wants and she's willing to sacrifice everything about what she wants which is her vanity to become right. this evil hag to further get what she wants it's like what a badass okay um, i'm here for Malef that. maleficent's also great she goes for what she wants um personally i'm not a fan of ursula i think she's mean <laughs> yeah yeah you leave those redheads alone uh, <laughs> my least favorite villain the most terrifying one is chernabog from fantasia yeah it's terrifying yeah. freaks me out pin trading or pin collecting collecting i will not trade i don't know why people do people love it it's fine bless them but if i find a pin i like it's like i'm not giving that away right i will tell you though with pins i i've only had a christmas tree twice now pins and ornaments and there's another thing that people collect where i was like that is a slippery slope that I could see myself becoming addicted to buying because there's so many great things. But I was like, if it's not dopey, I have to seriously consider it because if it's a dopey pin or if it's a dopey ornament, right? If I'm buying it, buying. add to cart, add to cart immediately. People, right. I think my legacy, especially because of the podcast, is Maurice, the guy that likes dopey. I do have some dopey pins that I really cherish and some other great ones, but. It's definitely collecting. Awesome. All right. Would you rather travel back in time to 1955 and visit Disneyland on opening day or travel forward in time to 2055 and see what the Disney parks will be like then? I would definitely go back to opening day. I think that would be so cool to be there and to meet Walt Disney and, you know, with the knowledge I have now and also see my dad maybe as a kid because he was there opening summer and 
we'll visit. And also it's my life goal because I will be hopefully alive in 2055. I'll be 70 years old and you better believe I'm going to be walking down Main Street as a 70 year old celebrating the 100th. One, 1,000%, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So this one I'm confident in. Okay. Last but not least, Walt Disney World or Disneyland? Huh. That's a great question. I'm going to choose Disneyland only because I will let you choose Walt Disney World. Okay. And again, no no offense, but I'm so passionate that I that of Disneyland. It's the original theme park, it's Walt Park. It's it's just the best for me. And I appreciate the other ones for sure, but Disneyland has my heart. I I can't wait for Disneyland, but I think even <laughs> after I visit it once, twice, hopefully many times thereafter, I think I'll always choose Walt Disney World just because I have so many memories and such attachment to it. For sure. I mean, I proposed to my wife in Magic Kingdom in front of the castle. We just went on our honeymoon there. I went on many family trips there. It's just ingrained in me. This is the way I think Disneyland is for you. Exactly. Yep. Yep. It it really is. And a few of my friends that are world enthusiasts, I'll bring them to land and they oftentimes will say, this is better than Magic Kingdom. Um, But for all of it, it is tied to that. It's it's where you grew up. It's where you form those memories. It's where you can tie it to your family. It's, I, I definitely understand that. David, I cannot wait to have you on again. I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, before you go, where can our listeners find you? Tell tell everyone about about the podcast and everything sure. else you want to you want to mention. Yeah. Thanks. Um, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at eTicket to Broadway or on the website www.eticketpodcast.com. And once you're on the website, check out the official shop. There's lots of great merchandise. Like Josh will hopefully um, look at. There's there's a line of shirts called Team World and World Boy and World Girl. And, <laughs> and so that. you can show off your pride uh, and lots of fun Broadway uh, and Disney parks overlap. And then if you want to learn more about my life, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at directed by David Elpert or my website, www.david-elpert.com. I do not work on The Walking Dead. That is a different David Elpert. <laughs> that is a much richer and successful David Elpert. Uh, that's not me. So uh, make sure you don't. Where do I get you with David Elpert? So it's okay. Well, I appreciate that. I get many messages and DMs asking if they can be on The Walking Dead. And I say, I work on Broadway shows. Decidedly well, not a different. zombie television show. <laughs> but Josh, thank you for having me on. It's been super fun to chat with you and always great to talk to fellow Disney Parks enthusiasts. Always. David, thank you so much for all your time. I sincerely appreciate it. I look forward to talking with you again soon. For the listeners, I'm going to put a link to the podcast and the website, you take it to Broadway, in the show notes. David, thank you again. And until next time, everyone, I will see you real soon. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for joining us today for a magical episode of the Four Parks Podcast. Disney is a place for the young and the young at heart. A special place where when you wish upon a star, your dreams can come true. Until next time, see you real soon.